Hey, thanks so much for taking time to tune into this interview where I get to talk to Donnie and Wendy Everett of our church and uh, have a conversation about their experience as teachers at a predominantly black high school in Sacramento and other ways that um, God has shaped the way that they view this race conversation and the things that they've done to try to bring healing and restoration to the racial divide that exists in our country. And so um, I think you're going to be blessed. I wanted to give a little introduction to them because in the conversation, we just kind of jump right into it. So uh, Donnie and Wendy are both educators. Um, they've been involved in public education for the last 20 years or so. Donnie is an assistant superintendent of MTSS for Monterey Peninsula School District. And uh, Wendy is an art teacher at Martin Luther King School of the Arts in Seaside. They've got three terrific boys, uh, Jackson, Hudson, and Grayson, uh, 14, 13, and 10 years old. And so they're right in that zone of parenting, figuring these things out. And so we talk a lot about um, ways that we can help our kids understand and conversations we can have with them too later on in the interview. But listen to their story, take it in, um, be encouraged, be blessed, be inspired, and uh, glad you're here. All right, well, I'm here with Donnie and Wendy Everett, and uh, I've been so blessed by Donnie and Wendy getting to know them over the years, and I asked them to have this conversation uh, with us today, um, really because uh, they are a couple who I've just so admired. Um, and I've seen their heart and their passion for this conversation around um, race uh, be one that, that they've been doing and having for years and years and years and actually been seeking to um, be a part of the solution in whatever ways they can. And so um, I just want to say up front that um, Donnie and Wendy, we know they don't represent um, the full voice and scope of this conversation, but, um, and we're not expecting them to, but what we, we thought would be great is just to hear from them, their experience and what they have learned and what God has been able to do through them on, um, on bringing uh, some care and compassion to uh, people of color, African Americans, and the real work that they've been able to do in that sphere. So, um, thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. You set the bar high, Matt. We'll, we'll, <laughs> well, I know you guys are uh, you guys are up to the task, and I know you're just gonna you know be honest and share from your heart. So I'd love to just have you start off by saying um, you know maybe uh, sharing with us why this is an important conversation for you guys to have. Yeah. So. Uh, this has been a, a very important conversation. It continues to be important, uh, I believe, for our, not only for us, but for our community uh, at large, our, our nation. Um, this is not new, uh, and uh, we just are living in a time where, uh, due to you know recent events, uh, unfortunate events, have really spurred on a lot of conversation, which we are really happy to see. Uh, in this, and just want to you know reiterate what you said, Matt, that that we in no way. Uh, are, are a representative of a voice that uh, needs to be continued to be heard um, mm -hmm. and should be heard. Um, and we are just um, happy uh, and, and, and willing to engage in conversations like this. This has been a, a passion that, that the Lord has placed on our hearts for a very long time since we first got married, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it all began with uh, God really leading us into the field of education. Um, we both uh, grew up in, in the valley in Northern California and uh, were um, brought together by, by the Lord in college and, and ended up in, in Sacramento, right in the, the heart and uh, an urban area of Sacramento. And both of our work with an education in the community that God placed us in uh, really began, began the journey that we were on and that all the learning that took place uh, and continues to take place for us uh, when it comes to a lot of the injustices um, that we uh, see and particularly with many, many uh, families and young people that we've grown to just become so close to and love and to see firsthand the impacts that uh, racism, that systemic racism, um, injustices, uh, you know, are, are reality um, for, for many of our uh, brothers and sisters of color. So uh, that's where it kind of really began 
and um, I can let Wendy kind of talk a little bit about to her experience, I think, as a teacher and what that, in terms of what that really looked like on the ground level. Yeah, I think it was interesting. We were, I don't know, like two years married, finishing school. Um, we were ready to go anywhere. I had my credential. He was looking for a master's program. And we were kind of up to go any place, you know, in California. And the Lord guided us to Oak Park. And there was this school that was taken over by a charter. It was highly controversial. And they had like a school of the arts. And I'm like, I want to go there. I want to go where somebody's prioritizing arts. That's, that sounds like a great idea. And I went down there and turned in an application. And um, it ended up being like this really incredible 12-year journey mm. for both of us that it could have only have been God. Like there were so many crazy things that happened that we, if we didn't, if we weren't people of faith, we would have like ran um, out of fear, like just violence, um, gang activity, drugs, guns at school. Like there just would have been things that we would have, I would have been too scared <clears throat> if I didn't know the Lord had us there for a reason. But we've always we're learning now after like 15 16 17 years that we just like to be in controversial situations um but what was unique about me getting a job at sacramento high school was that what was happening there was like a whole revitalization of a community mm. so i think it wasn't just that you know, I started working at a school that he later then started to work at too. It wasn't just the educational experience, although that was very like deep and profound, but we were working for a nonprofit organization that was trying to utilize an art gallery, like the arts in the community. You're trying to bring businesses in the community. There hadn't been a library in the community for like 50 years. So like just the idea that like literacy was not promoted in this um, community. There hadn't been an elementary school in the community in like 50 years. So mm. we kind of walked into a community that was plagued by crime and um, just kind of forgotten. It was actually the first suburb of Sacramento. So it, used, it was like really flourishing at the beginning, but then like most cities do, um, it, it, you know, obviously dropped and had a lot of crime. So we kind of got to see this holistic approach to like building, rebuilding a city and kind of bringing uh, business and arts. The theater was remodeled so that there was access to that. Um, trying to get uh, black owned uh, businesses into the neighborhood. Um, so that I think gave us a bigger picture to how systemic racism works in a community and how certain communities of people um, get hindered from moving forward uh, with generations of different things that get passed on, which is a different conversation. But for us, I think that was what was really powerful was seeing mm -hmm. all of these pieces getting put together with education at the core. Um, and what we were doing was highly controversial because it was the first high school in Sacramento. Um, actually the oldest high school west of the Mississippi. So we were trying to educate all kids at a school that had a long history yeah. and the city didn't want all kids. The community didn't want all kids to learn. They wanted one type of kid to learn. Mm. So we just began that journey of like really understanding um, low expectations for students of color, um, how they were segregated within the school, uh, opportunities to not go to college, the kind of this enforcement of the idea of military is the only option. Um, mm. So there were, it was just so rich and multifaceted. And I think that God was really like opening our eyes to these injustices that weren't simply just based on people choosing not to do better. Sure. Um, on top of watching over a decade of students come through and like try to overcome trauma, um, overcome family issues, learning issues, uh, like trying to launch them into college and all those different types of things. So I wouldn't say that 
I mean, I wouldn't say that I really made a huge impact in that community, um, but I would say that the community made a huge impact on us. Um, totally. So we like we changed the way we saw things and how we moved in our career and how we advocated for kids and how we raised our boys and what we were gonna experiences we were gonna give our boys. We joined a church that was in the community. It was diverse. Um, we lived by the school. So we just kind of was greatly more impacted than the work that we did there. Hmm. That's beautiful, you guys. Yeah, I, so 10 years, you guys are at this particular school. And Wendy, you're doing, um, your focus is on in the arts, is that right, as a teacher at the school? which did not have a, a platform or an emphasis on the arts and you were able to do that. I'd love to hear um, just some of the positive ways God's, God was able to use you there in that way. And then Donnie, what exactly were you doing it, at that school and, and what, are, what are some of the ways that you saw God being able to use you strategically in that way too? Well, I was hired to teach photography and they had an art program, but when we joined the, the nonprofit that was trying to establish a charter, they were shaking everything up. So the access was going to be for all the kids. It wasn't going to be for, you know, a small group of kids. Um, but the most beautiful piece about our over a decade there was there was an art gallery that was started by the same nonprofit and the art gallery's purpose, and it was two blocks from the high school was to exhibit people of color, like artists of color. So I've done this like crazy tenure of, I was in the classroom for three years, and then I went and worked at the art gallery for three years, and I went back mm. to the classroom, I went back and forth. Um, and I was like an educator, education coordinator and outreach manager for the art gallery. I just had like so much learning to do coming out of a college that I didn't really learn about artists of color. Um, so I got like all these really, actually both of us and I mean, our kids early stages, but these beautiful, uh, stories from artists of color. I mean, people that you would know, like Faith Ringgold came through, um, Deborah Willis, all the way to greater, like nationally and internationally known artists. But my interactions with those artists were so amazing and their work and what they were showing of their life perspective and the work that they felt like needed to be uh, heard and seen and the stories that needed to be told. We were coordinating panels of people to have discussions. Um, we had a, bit, a group come through, an artist come through from New Orleans right after Katrina. Mm. So hearing like that perspective was really impactful and that was huge for me to have all of these experiences where I'm sitting in, a, in an art gallery and I'm listening to the lots of different people um, share stories that I had never heard in school, in my K-12 experience, or even in university. Mm. Um, and our biggest goal at the art gallery was anytime we brought an artist, the artist had to do a project with, with our schools. So there was a lot of work that our kids were getting access to these artists also. So that was super powerful. And the joke, I mean, we didn't laugh about it then, is I was working so many hours at the school that he never saw me. So he started to come volunteer and coach soccer um, just to see me because I obviously first, second year teachers know what I'm talking about, was hardly coming home till so late. And then he thought, wow, this is kind of cool. I think I'm going to see what, what counseling looks like at the high school. Mm. And I think I suckered him in like that. Yeah, definitely. That was a big part of it. Uh, just to just to be able to see Wendy. Um, but I originally background in MF, marriage and family therapy was going in the direction of private practice and uh, began to more I spent time at the school site and I saw the direct impact that adults had on young people within the school system. I really just began to felt more and more led of going in the direction of school counseling. Um, and God really, really laid that heavily on my heart the more that I was within the school environment. 
And so I began in my career as a school counselor uh, at, at this at Sacramento High School, this high school that was predominantly African American students. Uh, and uh, you, if you notice, I'm a white guy uh, stepping into this, uh, you know, into this environment of really my role was to invest time and support students who had significant social, emotional, mental health, uh, basic lack of basic needs, um, you know, academic uh, supports, like uh, this range of huge, huge supports. And I just began to, at, at first felt very like this, I, how am I going to be effective in this? Like my, my experiences, my lived experiences can't compare. I don't understand the experiences of, of the students that are coming into my office uh, and that I'm getting to know. Uh, but the, but you know, very quickly, the, the, you know, just being able to sit with them mm. and listen and really begin to learn true uh, of empathy around mm -hmm. trying to understand and listening and knowing that the reality that the students were coming in that were very hard, I'm sure, for them to open up and talk about, it was real. And mm -hmm. that although I may not have all the answers, just that those that little bit of time sitting with them and having someone that's just there to listen and that cared and that truly was uh, there to support and help how best I can was really ultimately, uh, you know, the more I, I through my career realized was a, a huge that was major help. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where really my learning began to take place, and I and I purposefully. Uh, put myself in uh, difficult conversations and in difficult uh, situations where uh, young people had very, very um, high levels of, of need that were even beyond my own personal scope of practice. And so being able to help them access the needs, respond, uh, was really just, uh, and, and recognizing a lot, again, just hearing, hearing the reality of the struggles that they were uh, going through. Um, really opened my eyes so much. And, it began, and then again, just going back to what you said earlier, began to see how the whole system had impact on that. Mm. Um, and, and really begin to see the barriers and challenges that they experience uh, that really were having long-term long, long -term effects. Um, and you know, at this point, they're in high school and getting ready to enter in the real world. Um, and so it was very difficult, but uh, at the same time, uh, just a huge um, important need and a huge what we saw as ministry at that time yeah yeah it was really hard though I mean we we were learning so much about experiences we didn't know or have I grew up in Rockland it was a very small town it was like no diversity mm. wasn't really anywhere you grew up um, so God just was like preparing us all the time but there was definitely lots of uncomfortable hard times where we're sitting there going, you know, we don't understand or we don't know, or, you know, we're trying, but it's just awkward or it's hard or where do we fit into this? And, you know, so much of that is just allowing yourself to be in it and be uncomfortable um, is really what was the most powerful part about it. Mm. Like we, what do I have to say about something when I'm at, I'm managing an art gallery where it's all people of color, but I feel like we created a lot of relationships and the, and the work was so hard, like to get kids equity and education, like really the goal is about getting them opportunities just to get into college. That was not the norm. So the work that had to be done, like academically and emotionally was so intense um that we were constantly working hard or uncomfortable or challenged yeah um, and i just think you you kind of have to have grit for it like you have to um i don't know be kind of ready for it. that it was pretty intense um it doesn't have to all be like that you know for sure. us to be able to god to work on our hearts like that but it was it was pretty intense um pretty intense work and sometimes we were kind of fumbling through it like yeah what supposed to do or um how are we supposed to be but again like we just knew god had us there mm. so if i'm like nervous walking into campus during lunch because who knows what's gonna happen you know 
this had to be prayed up all the time mm. and, um, and be ready for it. But all of those pieces and all of that work was so important. Um, and finding, you know, a few other believers at the school, um, that we could pray with and then just other people that may not have been believers, but we knew the work was important and hard. Um, we just knew that we had to advocate for the kids. We just had yeah. to do it. Like the work has to get done and it needs people to do it. Mm. That's so powerful. You guys, I, I, I love that. I just that understanding of, um, just the importance of listening as we've talked about and being present and you know you talk about the relationships that you had with people it, it changes when you're talking about someone and then when you're actually talking to someone um man there's just something that happens inside and changes it from i think the the theoretical and it actually gives it um meaning and humanity and and so and then i love what you said about the calling that the lord clearly had called you guys and and that it wasn't easy <laughs> and that there were challenges um what what were it was there was there any any high, I, I mean you mentioned so many highlights and how it seems just you guys were forever changed by this experience and you know it's it's the thing of hey as much as we want to bring um change you know who really gets changed is us a lot of the times in our in our endeavors or ministries you know that that's what happens but what were some things that you were able to i mean wendy you mentioned the art gallery and being able to bring in artists of color and being able to have them present their work and the students to be encouraged in that way do you have any stories of individual students that uh, maybe made an impact on you that you were able to make an impact on um, that you think about in your time. I mean, there's probably more than one, but I didn't know if you wanted to share a story. Oh, that's really hard. Um, you know, the work was really hard and challenging, but there were so many incredible things that we got to do because of where we were. And God just loves us so much that he cares about the things that we care about. Right? So the work's hard. Um, I'm not prepared coming out of a credential program for what I was like. I don't even think that helped me at all. Um, but like, I got to take kids to New York city. I got to bring these, like these artists came in. We got to connect them to these really amazing artists that look like them. Mm. Um, we, there were just so many, we had partnerships with different people in the city, like different uh, amazing projects where kids were published in different things. Kids were in part of every exhibit we did. Kids were a part of it. They were in the catalogs. Like we were getting kids access to things um, that they were not going to get anywhere else. Like there, there was no other school in that town that could be doing the work that we were doing and they didn't get it when they're in high school. Yeah. Um, but we were just doing, incredible stuff. Um, I had two, I mean, there are so many kids and they're all grown now. They're like in their thirties. Um, <clears throat> but there was two students that were boyfriend and girlfriend in high school. I had like one of them's parent worked at the school and they were both in my photography one class. They were both in photo two, photo three, like they legitly stuck with me for a long time. And there's only a special group of kids that can hang with me for like that many years. Um, <laughs> but they were together for that whole time. And then, you know, they graduated high school and just had a really special bond with them. She was in my advisory class, which was another like great relationship building that we got to do. Um, and he was really into photography. Well, they graduate high school and then they get married and then they asked me to photograph their wedding. Mm. And so it was so cool to be able to, be a part of that next step with them and that they would even invite me into something like that. And then now they're like, they have three kids. They're actually four, no, four now. Like they're just loving being married. They're doing really great with their family. Mm. Um, 
And that's just really cool to see kids kind of grow into adulthood and you worry so much about them in high yeah. school. Like you worry, you're going to, you're launching them and you're hoping they're going to be okay. Um, and there's just other beautiful stories about kids going to college and persevering, even if their family didn't want them to. Um, mm. A lot of our kids are educators now that are super passionate about the work. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I don't think there's like any one particular thing, but it's cool that the kids that still want to engage with us in their lives now, whether it's social media or, um, so now I'm going to get some artwork today from a student that I bought recently. Oh, I think there's cool. just, uh, the, the continual relationship is what's important. And they know both of us, like the kids knew Mr. Everett and they knew Mrs. Everett. <laughs> And I'll just add to uh, Matt, just in terms of what Wendy's saying, is I think a, a really important thing that that uh, you mean that is really to capture with the relationships that she built and that I built as well is the really the investment that we took and the and the actual genuine like we wanted we want to we wanted to be a part of their life we wanted to learn with them we wanted to live life with them we wanted to continue to. Um, you know, uh, struggle, uh, with them, uh, you know, and so that, that was, you know, just that, that willingness, uh, and, and desire, uh, and that relate in those relationships to, um, under, want to understand their life, want to understand what their day-to-day -day look like, what, what it was like for them, what, you know, their, in, their, their enjoyments were, their, their interests, their totally. desires, their, you know, um, writing letters of recommendation yeah i mean just all of that was you know really the, the, the core um pieces uh that that still i think has helped and i just think about that as being um where a lot of times we we were put in uncomfortable positions because uh here we are wanting to really invest time and be with uh these young people and, and other families that we just didn't understand the the struggles that they were in the midst of at that yeah. time, and um, so that that really I think helped build us um, and and continue and continues to do so. We're still on a journey. We're we're not even close uh, to where we we need to be uh, still. But um, I just wanted to to share that piece. Well, I I love that because that I mean the impact that you guys were able to make motivated by your love for these people and for them as individuals and made in the image of God, worthy of, you know, dignity, honor, respect, value, and to do that. And then to have, I mean, I think one of the marks of effective ministry is, you know, years down the road for, for them to come to you and, and want to still have contact and relationship with you. I mean, that is amazing. That's wonderful. And that's just the fruit of your, your, your labor. And being motivated by God's love for you, but then your love for them, you know, and his love working through you. So I just love that picture of the gospel and, and how you guys were able to embody that um, for these students and love them right where they were and not say, I love you if you're going to change this or do that, but to love them right where they are, were, like you're saying, Donnie, that's wonderful. Yeah. We call them our kids, like our first kids, you know, <laughs> like, our sack high kids, you know, they <laughs> totally. were, and there's groupings by the years, you know, but yeah. Well, let's, um, can we talk about your, your second group of kids now, your three boys? Um, so Bree and I love to get to know you guys, love to get to know your three boys. They're so fun. Um, my, uh, our seven-year-old Cannon, he just so looks up to your boys and just thinks they're so cool. You guys are now parents of, um, is it two teenagers now? Yes. yes. Teenagers. Okay. And then um, uh, sixth grader? Close. No. Close. Okay. Yeah. Going into a fifth grade. Grayson's going into fifth. Yeah. Fifth grade. Okay. But he turned 10. So we're double digits. Double digits now. There it is. Um, so how, so you guys have this experience. You, you continue in public education here now in uh, Monterey School District. And um, I'd love, you know, you can share whatever you want about that. But I'd, I'd also love to hear, you know, how you guys take that experience, what the Lord did through you, forever being changed um, by that. And now, as you're raising your boys, how are, how are you guys raising them? And 
um, inviting them into some of those things that you guys now just cannot separate from yourselves and how, what kind of conversations are you having? I mean, as a parent of two young boys, I mean, we're, we're having conversations at the dinner table and we're talking about events that are happening in our nation right now. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel that equipped, honestly, to have these kind of conversations, but we know we need to have them. So we're, we're trying our best. And, but I'd love to just hear from you guys as, um, as parents and, and, maybe ways that you have found helpful to, to have these conversations about race and the injustices that we see and just the, the difficulties that um, our brothers and sisters of color are facing in any given day. Yeah, so this is uh, very near and dear to our heart. And we, um, you know, I, I w we, we think often, you know, and I think most of us, especially um, uh, those of us that look like me, uh, think that uh, what can we do? Like what, what, this is systemic. This is hundreds of years. Um, how, you know, how, how do, how can I make a change? And, and that's kind of have impact. And sometimes it feels like it's a little out of our control. Um, but the one thing that we know we do have control over is how we talk to our children, what mm. we say, and those conversations and what we bring biblically, uh, as well as just our place and our understanding. And you, you said, Matt, you know, we also feel many times it's hard to have conversations given that we have not experienced um, a, a lot of what our brothers and sisters uh, of color have experienced and continue to experience. Uh, but the one thing that we are very believe very strongly about is to have those conversations. Mm. Um, we talk about it often. Uh, we uh, we read. Uh, we watch uh, age appropriate things. Uh, you know to be able to give it insight. Um, we answer questions. We ask questions. Mm. We wonder like you know, and we're very honest with them. Uh, if we don't know something or if we're not sure, if we feel uncomfortable, we, we say it. Um, we believe that there needs to be a level of genuineness um, as a model to, to our, our children. Um, but we also, you know, very much believe with the responsibility that God has given us to raise our, our children, um, uh, you know, according to uh, a life, uh, you know, exemplified after Christ. Um, that That is that is what we truly believe that is our calling to do. And it's, it's very important. And I just encourage parents out there who, who may be wondering or struggling with knowing what to say or where to start if you haven't. Um, I'd say just start there, being honest about it being hard. Mm. Um, and that, uh, you know, that, you know, learning together uh, more and more about the uh, experiences uh, uh, of our black brothers and sisters right now. Um, the um, the injustices, the systemic racism, understanding more about what that means, um, and so and being able to have just honest conversations, um, I think is is a great place to begin. Mm. Yeah, this is not a new conversation with our boys. Um, mm. You know, like two of them were born in Oak Park, and they were pretty much like sack high babies. So they ran their first five years of their lives they're run well their whole life but you know like running around that school um and we're I'm, I mean I'm definitely very vocal about the work that we do um and the advocacy and I just felt like so overwhelmed with having three white boys you know like there's so much already given to them um and privileges that they have that it wouldn't be that they wouldn't want to know or maybe wouldn't want to ignore, but they just aren't going to see. There's just certain things that they won't see because mm. of just who, who they are. And so I think like just for them being a part of our career, like you just have to be in and among your parents' career. It's like, it's like kids in ministry, right? Yeah. Like they know all the people you work with. They know all the kids of the families that you work with. Like, this yeah. is a family thing that you're doing. Mm. Um, and we have a lot of good friends and we're all having kids at the same time, you know, other teachers or staff. So I just feel like I always like to think of conversations as not being a conversation or a few hard conversations, but lots of vignettes. Like it's good. If something comes up, 
about something, then, you know, then we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about it as long as they can handle talking about it. Um, so like, and it's the same thing with all the other things parents have to talk to their mm -hmm. kids about, you know, right. Um, it's a five minute lingering conversation in the car about girls in, in middle school, then I'll take the five minutes. And I feel like it's the same thing with this. Like one, they've heard us talk about it. Right. Like kids hear you talking. You may not be talking to your kid about it, but you're talking to your friend, you're talking to your family, you're having conversations about mm. this right now in other rooms and they hear you. Like they hear your heart, they hear what you're saying. Uh, you, I, I, am, like, I am getting that more and more every day. I am understanding that. <laughs> yeah, so, and they hear us and they hear yeah. what we're saying. Um, so they've heard us. And, you know, when we moved to Monterey, I didn't want to come because I just didn't feel like there was work for me to do here. Mm. Um, and I loved where I was and I had like this plan for me personally, and I didn't want to leave it. I had a perception of Monterey, but what we came to quickly learn is there's plenty of work to do here and there's inequities here also. Sure. Actually more despairing inequities here than in mm. Sacramento. So there's always work to be done. And I think our kids have watched our careers and they've listened to us have conversations and debates and, and things with people. Um, but then I've also just tried really hard to kind of move their lens a little bit. Like, what do you notice about all the magazines? This was yesterday. What do you notice about all the magazine stands at the grocery store? <laughs> or, you know, like, what do you notice about the cast in the movie? Or mm. are you noticing about, you know, we've had great conversations with our kids about why are kids picking on the African-American kid at school? You know, like they may not be intentionally doing that, but they're doing it. And then what do you do about it? Like, how do you step in for that person? How do yeah. you get uncomfortable and be brave? Cause you have to. Like non-negotiable. If somebody's making fun of somebody because of their language they speak or the color of their skin, like you have to step in the gap and we're going to pray that you're going to be brave and that you're going to have courage and God will take care of you. Like it's going to be hard and they're going to make fun of you too, probably. Yeah. But these are the things that like we have to do, like you have to step in for that injustice, even like mm -hmm. elementary playground level. Um, so I just feel like it's not like a conversation. This one obviously has been a little bit more heightened, but these conversations we've had stuff on Clark where he got shot by the police officer in Sacramento mm -hmm. in his own backyard, he went to staff high. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of the first, like we've lost kids, like literally have lost kids that were students. Um, but when that happened, I guess it was 2018, I, I mean, just shattered like completely shattered. And I think that's when I became a little bit more boisterous with the boys about that, like unarmed African-American males dying. Mm. So that became like a really forefront conversation and obviously scaffolded. Like I could be more candid with Jackson who was 13. Um, and, you know, more with Hudson and then a little bit more discretion with Grayson. But I feel like the Stefan Clark murder was like, it just, I couldn't not tell them about it. Like I could, we couldn't not have these conversations. Right. And they're men, they're white men. They're going to go in the world and they're going to have already a set of power and they need to know how to be able to use it for the good that God calls us to do for injustice and loving our neighbors and Mm. caring for people that are different than us and it just really kind of propelled more of our discussions with them on race in the country and kind of like so much so that I feel like I have to supplement like school curriculum so that they understand where you know these things are coming from because sure. not learning our curriculum is not meant for us to know all of that stuff mm. um, so that's a long explanation, but it's just been a lot of little conversations and even like having conversations with your kids about your own upbringing, you know, like, well, where I grew up, I didn't grow yeah. up around a lot of people of other nationalities. 
And I wasn't aware of that. I mean, even us being honest as parents is a good place to start too. Totally. Mm. Well, there is so much that you guys just unpacked that I think is going to be really helpful. And um, I, I, I just love your guys' approach. And, you know, I think um, to see your boys and to know them a little bit, um, I can see how good of a job you are doing raising them in this world, in this cultural moment, to love their neighbor and to love others. And, you know, it's the way of Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's what Jesus did. And I just love that. Um, even that idea, Wendy, you said of putting yourself in between. And it just reminds me of Christ and, you know, what he did for each of us. And that, that really is the gospel. Um, him taking our um, wrath, him taking our punishment, him taking our shame upon himself and standing in the gap for us, ultimately for our salvation. So, so, so many gospel um, implications and imagery that I just, I, I think of when you, you guys are sharing that. So thank you for, thank you for that. I, I thought, you know, as maybe one more question, I can keep you for a long time because I just love talking to you guys, but I'll maybe just ask one more question. And that, that is, you know, for, for people who are, um, maybe just for young people, even specifically, you guys have worked with young people for decades now, and you've got young boys. Um, I think this generation, there's something I admire about this, this young generation. And that's that they, they seem to be a generation that wants action and they want, um, they want to do something. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that other generations haven't had that, but I think there's so many different things that they're seeing in front of them and they're going, what, what do we do? And then I think as Christians, as followers of Christ and seeing our world and knowing that from a gospel motivation or from a Jesus motivation, I guess the question is how how can we be a part of bringing healing or or helping the huge gaps and divides that are in our nation right now um, related to race and um, are there any practical things that you would encourage young people with um, as you guys have seen you know things things go on so I'd love to just have you share whatever you want to related to that idea. Yeah, you know, a couple of things that we've um, recently started with the boys. Um, well, two, just encouraging parents, like, what do your children want to do right now? Like, what are their little hearts, even little kids, like, what are your little hearts responding to right now with conversations about what's happening in our country or even COVID? Like, do they have, do they want to take action? And then like, what are their little ideas? They're so you know, they've got things like they want to help. Right. And so I would even say like little kids, like listen to their ideas and try the best you can to make those things happen. You know, whatever they're thinking about other people or they're worried about, um, other people. We, um, on the Bible app, there are like some really obviously way more accessible and at the forefront right now, but we just started like a couple devotions with the boys. Um, that are pertaining to just like injustices. Um, why should I care about race? And they're like student studies, they call them. So I, I, they feel like high school, even middle school appropriate, but all the way up to young adults, you know? Um, I think it's educating yourself in two ways. And one is every educational system, K-12 in the country, we do not learn about the history of our country. And so it's social studies and social studies is not meant to actually teach people about history. It was, it was uh, created to have patriotic people. And so unless you're in an AP class, you're not gonna get like really deep. So I think for young adults to like really just even study our short history of our country um, mm -hmm. and to like dive into some of those um, books that are, have been written by uh, pastors of color. There's incredible work already being done for um, racial reconciliation and redemption. 
Um, so like read books, do devotionals by people that don't look like you. Um, so educate yourself like in the Bible, like what does Jesus have to say about it? Um, mm. And then also, but like the real historical uh, background of why all of this is happening. Mm. And I also think like pray for God to lead you. Like I think about young adults, like they're passionate and they're ready to do action, but have like pray that God will show you where there's work to be done because I think there is a ton of work to be done and there's work to be done here. Like just even in educational funding is so inadequate between Carmel, PG and the peninsula. So young people just go out into communities that make you uncomfortable, go volunteer somewhere, um, go see how other people that don't look like you live, go to the YMCA, go read books, to kids or I think there's just so much you can do mm. voluntarily to give you a perspective and then I think every career has an opportunity to serve others yeah. like you don't have to be a teacher to make an impact and you don't have to get into politics to make an impact like I had this thought yesterday like advocacy for access right like every career you get into needs advocacy for access whether it's ministry, like advocacy for access to all people to know about Jesus, yeah. education or business, like not every, um, everybody has the same opportunities to business models or um, in health education or health experts, like every career you go into, there's a gap. And so if the work you want to take action in, I just feel like find where the gaps are and advocate for access. And I think it's everywhere. You don't have to be one of those jobs that we would think would be the do-gooder jobs, but just finding work that needs to be done and going and doing it for a little bit and mm. like having God lead you to them. Um, I just think it's everywhere, no yeah. matter what, what you're walking in. I don't really need to add. I think uh, Wendy covered a lot there. I'll, if I could just summarize maybe kind of something that that um, has resonated with me. There's a scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter one, verse 17. that says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, pleaded the widow's cause. And I love this verse because the action words and that sequence, learn to do good. And just taking the time to be able to just take in and listen share empathy, read, just whatever can be taken in to learn, then to seek justice, to be able to then take steps to go out and talk to others. Like Wendy was talking, you know, hear others, taking those steps to really seek God's wisdom and where he might be leading you to do. Mm. Then to take them from there to correct. This is when the action begins to happen, um, to correct oppression, to be able to take what has been learned, what has been, uh, God has revealed to you, what has been really, uh, you know, uh, set on your heart uh, from the Holy Spirit, to be able to take action um, upon that and to be a voice uh, for the, the injustices, to be a voice for those who are, don't, man, get, don't get a voice. Um, um, and so, you know, really... Uh, you know, that, that to me just, I think, really hits home uh, where we can really be right now. And everyone's at a different place, and that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just that having that mindset uh, about um, just, you know, being able to listen, to learn, to seek, and then letting the Lord guide you into what action that is. Mm, that's so good. We, we've been digesting a lot of, you know, podcasts and and different things. And I feel like, like in 2020, there's no excuse for anybody to not learn. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you can like read a book, you could listen to a book, you could watch something, you could listen to a yeah. podcast, like information is so available to us. Yeah. Um, and I just listened to something we both listened to in the last day. And it was like, you know, people of color shouldn't be expected to do this work, right? Mm -hmm. Like the education part. Um, we need to do the work, right? Like, like the people that have the privilege to always have a voice, like we have to be the ones to do the, to do the work, to elevate um, the justice and to correct oppression. I mean, we mm. have actually naturally the ability, like authority or privilege to do so. 
So we need to do it. Like we can't always expect them to like be healing and then educating us when there's so much access sure. to those voices already. Um, and there's just so much good Christian church stuff right now. Like, mm. Such good stuff. There's, there's so many conversations that, yeah, I've been able to take in and um, podcast or watch and man, I realize how much I'm needing to learn and needing to grow and want to continue to grow. And um, this is really helpful too. And I just want to thank you guys for being a part of our understanding. And here we are, you know, we're not people of color. And, you know, some would even say like, why are you having this conversation, right? What, what are you contributing? But I think we could admit that even in some of these conversations, there's, there's not a, a great comfort in that we have it all figured out. We don't. And that's, I think, a big part of it. And yet that shouldn't keep us from at least trying and at least wanting to learn and wanting to understand. And I'm just so thankful for you guys that you've been having these experiences for some time and following the Lord and the Lord's been using you. And um, I'm so thankful that you're at our church and that you guys are there and uh, you've been such a blessing to us. And, you know, I, I know we've called on you so many times, like, Hey, do you guys want to do this? Do you want to do that? I feel like you guys are like the Swiss army knife. We just keep on, you know, being able to say, Hey, do you guys want to be a part of this? But you guys are always down for it. You're always up for it. And um, I just said up and down. So to me, this <laughs> get what I'm saying, right. But, um, but thank you. And I think, you know, we're going to be better because of this conversation and, and we've got a, a few more tools to, to use and to continue moving forward. And um, we, know, we know this will be an ongoing thing and an ongoing conversation. And yet um, we know that Christ compels us, his love compels us. And as long as his love is operating through us, um, we know that there's hope for the people that he cares about. And so we want to continue to build that bridge. So thank you for for helping us do that. And I uh, really appreciate you guys. Yeah, we're happy to do it. And we're excited to see what more is in store at Calvary. And we're always here. Awesome. Thank yes. you guys. Thank you so much.